Hello, or should I say, Heosa. Let me start off by saying thank you for your interest in the heathen world. I hope to be able to help people better understand our ways and belief systems and hopefully alleviate some of the clout that surrounds us by way of medial influence. Maybe you're here because of the TV show Vikings or the Marvel comic series Thor. Maybe you're here because of a friend or colleague. Why you are here makes no difference to me, and I'm glad you decided to take a peek. So what is Asatru? Asatru is the core spiritual belief of the gods of the ancient northern European peoples. To better understand Asatru, we must look at the peoples themselves and the type of environment that cultivated one of the world's greatest civilizations. These people came from northern Germany, Denmark, Norway, Switzerland, Sweden, and as far north as Russia. They spanned across into England, Scotland, and Ireland. They were great explorers who explored all the way over to the northern Americas nearly 800 years before Columbus. Their reach was far, and trade routes were established all over the globe, which to them was just a disc floating hanging from the tree of Yggdrasil called Midgard, surrounded by a great serpent, Jorgenmander. They were a tribalist people, each one being led by a Jarl. Some tribes united under a king, with the Jarls being directly underneath them. By understanding this, we begin to get a clear idea as to why the stories and sagas vary slightly from time to time, and why some people recognize some gods and not others. Probably one of the most key components to the whole culture, and why there's not a lot of written documentation, was the fact that it was an oral tradition. This means that intelligence, stories, practices, rites, traditions, and laws were passed down orally, rather than written documentation. That doesn't mean that they lacked the ability to do so, however, as they had the runic alphabet and written documentation. Often a noble man or woman would write down their last wishes and burial rites to be performed so that it would be carried out in the ways they wished. They lived in a time of social hierarchy where even the king was bound by the law and separate lawmen were appointed to ensure accountability. The social hierarchy as follows is in order from least important to the most important. The least of the hierarchy were the homeless and beggars. The ancient Northern Europeans held even slaves and thralls to a higher class than this social class. Next, you had the thralls or slaves. Yes, unfortunately, there were slave trades amongst the Northern Europeans, but it was more of an exchange, unless you were born into it. When you were born into slavery, you yourself were considered a slave. Oftentimes, people would become indebted and unable to afford to live. And rather than become a beggar, they sold their lives in service for the payment of the death. Likewise, during wars and raids, people's lives were spared and were indebted to their savior. More often than not, this was women, children, and very rarely men. They were killed on the spot and offered for sacrifices to deities for blessings to come. A thrall could receive their freedom, though, by performing certain deeds or simply by paying off their debt or life price. The next on our list would be Carls. Carls were your average freeman, free to do as he or she wishes within the confines of the law. This was the category of farmers, ranchers, hunters, blacksmiths, Viking warriors, guardsmen, etc. Most of your Viking and your Drenger were formed out of this class. A man or woman could literally almost do anything they wished, and women of the Norse were among the first to have basic human rights. A woman could marry and divorce as they saw fit. They had rights to properties and would actually carry the keys to the estate. They were able to go into combat, provided they were not pregnant. The 
said that the shield maidens were amongst the fiercest warriors that any opposing army had ever seen, and they brought terror to all who opposed the horde. For what kind of people have such strong women that they are allowed to fight? Then above that, each tribe had a jarl, chieftain, or earl as their leader or noble of the tribe. This position often came due to secession or by overtaking the previous jarl in what is known as Holmgangar. Where two people are pitted against each other in mutual combat, and the god Tyr deciding the victor. This Holmganger was often used to settle other disputes as well, such as claiming another spouse for your own. This person oversaw politics, negotiations, raids, spiritual ceremonies, wars, judgments of the convicted, and above all, protecting the community from those who wished harm upon it. A huge responsibility, and sometimes there are accounts of Jarls seeking others to defeat them in Holmganger, so they would no longer have to take on the responsibility. The king was the last of these classes, and wasn't introduced into heathen culture until the later polytheistic early Christian colonization of northern Europe. Up until this point, the day-to-day -day duties rested solely upon the shoulders of the Jarls. The king was introduced to handle politics beyond the heathen community. It was also a means to attempt to unite the Norse people under one ruler in hopes to defeat the inevitable conversion of the new church. This only made it easier for the colonizers to gain control and wipe the Norse pantheon into near extinction. But our gods are resilient and steadfast, and much of the traditions survived to modern day. Now almost everyone has heard of the great Viking horde, but what sparked their migrations? Scholars are still in debate over this, and no conclusion has been formed as to why the great armies started to migrate westward. But some speculate that the climate change got so cold that they were unable to grow crops, so they moved westward to greener pastures to cultivate it. Others say there was a dispute that happened between the English and the Norse, which sparked a war between them, hence the attack on Lindisfarne. There are theories from geologists which suggest that the caldera had erupted, causing a massive smoke and ash to travel northward, and made it impossible to live. But for whatever reason, they began to migrate and conquer lands to the west, which is where many of the great sagas begin. But this is not a history book on the Norse. It's a lesson in the spiritual and religious practices that we will be focusing on. There are plenty of resources online and at your local bookstore to learn more about the history and origins. I find it quite fascinating and terrifying at the same time. For more information on Asatru, I invite you to subscribe to our podcast. We will be posting weekly podcasts with information on Norse mythology, religious practices, and information on key holidays. And of course, there are going to be the stories of the gods and information about them. I hope to see you there. Hail Sa!